two-man. Israel Talao! Is he? Is he in? You better believe it. New Zealand Rugby's organised a crisis <laughs> meeting with uh, Stephen Larkin. Sit back, relax, put your belt on, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Fantasy XV Draft Podcast, Episode 19, the podcast where we discuss Fantasy Super Rugby, the game they play online in heaven. This week we've had some technical difficulties after recording on Sunday. Uh, didn't record properly, so you would have had to listen to my voice and my voice only. So both Nabung and Nelson were uh, very upset about that. So whose issue was it? Uh, the computers. The no, computers no, had no, a default. There was, there was someone who made a mistake. Yep, the default. Computer. Harry made a mistake, everyone. Um, I just want you to know that. Because of that, Nabung will not be joining us on this week's pod, <clears throat> despite recovering from the man flu, so you it's, don't have to worry about him too much. He was just too fed up with you. Yep, and uh, so I'll be hosting you, Harry, again this week, and we've also got, obviously, Nelson, who's just absolutely buzzing tonight. I'm ready and raring to go, mate. Great. Okay, so just get the plugs quickly out of the way. we got the uh, website, <clears throat> fantasyxpdraft.com, which you probably know of by now. We have the Casualty Ward on there every single <coughs> week. We've got uh, a, a couple of additions this week. We've got one edition that's out with every single player's injury updates, and then we've got the quarterfinals edition as well, which is just taking away any of the information that you don't need to know for the finals. Uh, there's also the... Round in review in the stock market, which we'll try and get something posted for those this week as well. And then you can also find us across social media. So very active on Twitter with pretty much every bit of news that we, we can find on Facebook as well. And uh, Kagi is just prolific on his Instagram account under Fantasy XV Draft and all of those as well. I just don't know how he keeps it up, mate. He's just, he's just on the ball. Yeah, unemployment's been tough to him. <laughs> Uh, our entree for this week, anyway, we'll get straight into it, is the final round of Super Rugby. So we'll, we'll take a quick look at that, and then we'll spend a bit of time trying to predict what's to come through the quarterfinals. We know that a lot of people's fantasy leagues have actually finished over the weekend, so congratulations to all the winners out there. There was one bloke, uh, Roy, who's topped the Fantasy Rugby Draft podcast two years running. So that's just outrageous. Not too bad, mate. Shout Not out to Roy. Um, and to all the other winners, congratulations. For us, we've still got three rounds to go. We play all the way through finals, so we're going to keep the uh, the info coming just to try and help out our competition. Next year, you should definitely think about doing it because this is where the game is just really taking strides right now. This is the best part of the year. Absolutely. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more in dessert <clears throat> and the, the little things that it can add as well. But we'll get to that one. Instead, <clears throat> Nels, do you want to take us away on the Chiefs versus Hurricanes game? Yep, so... Chiefs got the job done here, 28-24. That was without D-Mac, which is pretty impressive. Uh, in terms of returning, the world's best lock, Retallick, returned from a pec injury. Um, in terms of new injuries, Fafida, he uh, had a toe injury uh, midweek, and so he was pulled out. Ardron, he also had a pre-game injury, which we're not exactly sure concussion. why. Was it a concussion? Yeah, concussion. Yep. So he had his concussions, obviously, through the entire international break, came back yep. for one game, now <clears throat> he's missed a couple, so... Big worry there for him for the rest of the season. Another sort of worrying one, whether it's worrying or they're just being cautious. Natai had a bit of a headache midweek. I think he had a few too many beers, something like that, and they thought the concussion symptoms were back. Yeah, that's right. So he, he missed the game. Um, Shields, uh, he had a rib cartilage injury. Hooson, he had another concussion. Um, and Finlay Christie also had a concussion. So just headies. How about that? All around. How about that Hooson concussion? Yes. Did you watch that one? I don't remember. 
it was the Fa'uli high shot. So Fa'uli has just absolutely taken his head off. Hussein now is 50-50 to play the coming week, and Fa'uli is 0% chance, copying a six-week ban for that shot. Which is, you've got to be happy with you if if you're a Chiefs fan. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I thought he was playing all right. But Natai, just, yeah, he'll be fine. Yeah, it's just he was rock solid in the centres in D, though. Yeah, but he's also taking heads off and <laughs> getting cards. Um, so the last matchup between these two, uh, the Hurricanes actually took 25-13, so it's one all. So uh, each home side's won this year. Don't read too much into that. But, I mean, they are versing each other again this week with mm. a Canes home... In the cake tin. Yeah, home match. Um, yeah, so Fa'uli, we said had a brief, brief uh, little chat taken off ahead. Um, but yeah, he slotted in for the missing Natai and Leonard Brown played outside. That yeah. centre pairing was massive in this game as well. You know, we talked about yeah. the Hurricanes game was so <clears throat> built around Nani La Mape taking those short balls and that was kind of helping them get their <coughs> mojo back by getting him just getting over the advantage line and creating so much. And uh, Faoli, Anton Leonard Brown just absolutely shut them down. Yep. Um, we were also going to say uh, Milner Scooter, I think he had a bit of a cork. Um, yep. We're not sure. If, if he's not right, I mean, expect Blam to return in, into that spot. Blam! Blam! Um, <laughs> uh, the Hurricanes broke their three-game... No, they've got a three-game losing streak away from home. Not that that really matters coming into next week. Yeah, so they've lost three of the last five, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of the people Four that... of the last five, sorry. Four of the last five. The only one they won was the week before, round 18. <clears throat> yep. Um, Blade Thompson was the fantasy man of the match with 59 points. Not too shabby from a bloke who's got 16.8 average, being on and off the, the starting side. So I can't complain with that. Yeah, I think he's an important one for next week that you've got to go back and look at the, the games that he's actually getting minutes to get a better idea of where you value him. Yeah, that's it. You, you can't look at just his averages because if he's starting and he's getting... Big points in those starting matches. You, you've got to take that into consideration, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Ricky Riccatelli had another big game with 52 points. Shawnee Stevenson was up there, and a f- there was a few sort of big ones. I mean, Ritalik, no surprise, got got 39. Leonard Brown got 42. So there was a few big ones. Alamano, Pulu, a lot of the Chiefs outside backs tended to, to get some metres up and get a few runs there. Um, and some points on the board. In terms of who scored more points, it seemed to mainly come from the Chiefs. Um, Brad Webber actually made 113 run metres, which is not too shabby for a, for a halfback, and snagged himself a try, a few line breaks, a few line break assists. So. Yeah, he played out of his skin. <clears throat> yeah, pretty pretty good all around for the Chiefs, unless you are Fa'auli, um, and not too many points on the board for the Canes, unless you are Riccatelli, Thompson. That's pretty much it, really. Yep, so the next game is the Reds versus Sunwolves, which the Reds took out 48-27. to So we had this one marked down as a, a game with a lot of points, and we were not wrong. 75 points in the match, and I think largely... Good. Yeah, we're right almost half the time, I reckon. Yeah, almost. <laughs> um, so, you know, us and a flip of the coin, there's not much between us. Yep. <laughs> uh, anyway, that was largely based, I think, around the red card to uh what's his face ed quirk for the love tap on the face he's now soft he's now copped a two-week ban for that yeah that is the softest thing i've ever seen no longer allowed to rough up an opponent official now done oh you barely can even say that's roughing up a bloke 
Yeah, I didn't think so. Oh, it is roughing up the Look, bloke, but there's, I'm a, there's I'm nothing I'm a flanker, and I do worse than that every single game. Well, you're illegal, mate. You're not going to stay in the park for long. Mate, I'm just trying to be like Richie McCall. <laughs> oh, easy. Come on, mate. A good flanker does that. You push the boundaries. Not anymore. Not in today's game, you don't. Caleb Timu also got a yellow card and then got cited yeah. for diving on someone's head. I can't remember who it was. And he just decided he was going to torpedo himself head first. Because he's bright. Intelligent <laughs> shot, yeah. Um, trying to back up those evil eyes that he was given the week <laughs> earlier. And he's also now copped a two-week <clears> ban. So despite not getting the uh, the red card on the night, and that would have obviously made a massive difference to the outcome of the match as well. So Come, come the NRC, he'll be right to play because he'll just fake his playing. Club rugby. Club footy, yeah, of course. <clears throat> so you had uh, a couple of tries in this one, obviously. Uh, late tries for the Sunwolves. They had a penalty try. They had Nakamura getting a, a try and Bregvadza just playing out of his skin off the bench and hitting a short ball to go under the posts. But the majority of the scoring was done by the Reds in the first 70 minutes. So, so we, we might as well say Nabung, our sub of the week, isn't here now, but he did pick his sub of the week. And who who is uh, channeling? Jabba Bregvadza. Or if he said it, something Jabba terribly wrong. Bregvadzi. Yeah, something terribly yeah. wrong. Yeah. So, super sub of the week, Bregvadze. Yeah. Uh, you also had, from the Reds, Liam Wright <clears throat> scored the opening try of the match and just played out of his skin again. He has been an absolute beast. He is good, starts. man. I, I really like him. Well, he's going to be playing seven all of next year. So I, I see him like Gil. Yep. I really like how he plays. He's he's good over the ball. He's um I think his game's a little bit more tough on the around the ruck than what Liam Gill was. Liam Gill was a little bit looser yeah. and played a little bit more like the George Smith uh, second five eight almost, you know, who wanted to put put the grubber through or play distributor, whereas Liam Wright probably plays it a little tighter. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But, you know, the, the goal for them apparently is for him to put on six, seven, eight kilos over the off-season. So we'll see how, what that does to his game as well. I think they wouldn't be upset if he grew a few inches too. Like height-wise. <laughs> well, he's only like not, 15. Not, so. not in his pants, but height-wise. Right. Uh, <laughs> Eto Nabuli uh, scored two tries this week, Nils. Did you pick him up this week, noticing that he was on there on the wing? Um, I stayed very clear. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> so Nabuli is done with the Reds now. He's heading overseas. Managed to get a couple of tries in his farewell, so good on him, but uh, has not been a fantastic year for him. I uh, also had Jono Lance, probably my player of the match. I thought he was outstanding. <clears throat> he scored a try and just kicked all his goals as well. Good way to uh, say goodbye to Super Rugby into the Reds. Absolutely. And then you had Tupo, Paolo, and then Sarovi scoring a, a late try from half as well with a quick scoot. Fantasy leaders on this one, Michael Little just continues to impress. We thought that he wasn't going to get a run this week, but we were completely wrong. You know, apparently he just doesn't get injured. So he scored 92 fantasy points from a couple of line breaks, a line break assist, 143 run meters over that magic number of 10 meters a run from his 13 runs. Also five offloads and eight tackle busts. So he just did it all for his team. Leach. Backed up and had his probably biggest <clears> game <throat> of the, the last two years, I would say, on 66 points. Wimpy Vandervolt also killed it on 56 in the row for the locks. His first name's actually Vimpy. It's not Wimpy. <laughs> you did that last last night when we did this. All right. I was wrong. Vimpy. Sorry. Sorry, Wimpy. Um, on top of that, look, we, we thought that... Vimpy had a huge workload to cover, considering that Grant Hatting wasn't there. I think James Moore um, it was, was, a little was bit, pretty absent. Yeah, he was a little bit absent. He he didn't set up. He's had, had quite a few good games there, I think, in the row, but he didn't really take that chance this no. week. It was a bit disappointing. 
Yeah, no, he was someone that had been very consistent. Uh, and then the other thing was, we, you know, we were expecting so many points from the outside backs in the Sunwolves. You know, we, we predicted that Yamada was going to go well, but that was one that we didn't get right. He just, just touched the ball. He didn't at all. I think, uh, I'm just going to call him Vegeta. I have no idea what it was, the other winger. Yeah, um, it's a little racist. No, no, I'm pretty sure that's it is. Fujita, there it is, I told you. Fujita, yeah. not Vegeta. So I was right. Um we thought that the two of them might go well purely based on the fact that the Reds outside backs and outside centre are still that kind of makeshift combination. It's it's disappointing, I think, looking at coaching tactics that now two weeks in a row, you've got such a a gaping hole and like something that a team should be exploiting with two wingers that can't defend, an outside centre who's out of position and also isn't well known as a defender, and neither team has even tried to hit those channels. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand why it was avoided from everyone. But, you know, ha- having said that, <clears throat> I thought Patea's defence was a lot better than we probably expected. I saw a stat the other day. He's tackled at something like 92% for the season, which is outrageous in a team that has let in so many tries. He was very, very good. Yeah, nice. Um, other thing that we thought was really... Uh, Really important to mention was Kane Douglas had his farewell this week. He actually played in round 18 and then was dropped this week so that they could get uh, a debutant on to Angus Blythe. So congratulations to Blythe. Look, disappointing to see them not kind of reward Kane Douglas with a proper send-off so his family could get out there. Thorne Thorn has, I think, done a lot of good for the youngsters coming through, but he's also disappointed me in a few things. Um I mean, the way he's handled a few of the older blokes, and this is something that highlights it for me. This is a guy that hasn't shown any disrespect, hasn't done anything that he that shouldn't be showing respect for his team or, or, or getting respect from his fans, and he's just done that to him. I, I think that's it's just such a poor form from him. Yeah, I agree. I, I, th- I think the one thing with with Thorne that it has rubbed me the wrong way is just the fact that he doesn't actually show a lot of respect <clears throat> to the senior players. You know, I'm all for having to earn your spot, but Kane Douglas has had a pretty outstanding year and really deserved the run. I'll just have you know, so Patea has played two games at outside centre. I'm saying for the year now, it's not yeah. at outside centre. Yeah, but you, we said that you said that his defence was better than expected. Yeah, he's made eleven and he's missed five. Oh, sorry, he's made thirteen, missed five. That's at outside centre, was it? Yeah. So, okay. not great. I'm, I'm just going off the... Uh, I think there was uh, a stat up on Twitter for his defence from the Reds. That was over Don't listen 100%. to Twitter. We're the only people you should listen to, mate. Right. Fair enough. I'll, I'll... And Fantasy says that's completely wrong. Actually, he misses a lot more than that. Okay. Highlanders, Rebels, Nelson, kick <laughs> us on. Let's move on. All right. So, no one returned in this match from injury. The Highlanders snuck home in front of the Rebels. The Rebels had a bit of a lead and, and then lost it and then had another crack to, to take it back. But... Naholo did not let that happen. In terms of new injuries, Ferretti Saaga had a concussion, just joining that concussion crisis, I think, over Super Rugby in mm. recent years, recent months, recent weeks. It's just consistently happening. Um, so this was such a big game for the Rebels, and they really needed to win this and have a few results, I suppose, no, go they, their way. Or oh, no, win, win. well, win locked them in, sorry. Yeah, yeah so... Even with a loss, with the bonus point, a few things could have gone their way and they could have snuck yeah. in. Um, but no, the the Sharks earned the win over, was it the Jags? And that's what sort of knocked Hags. the Rebels out of it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So the, the, the Rebels Hagu actually... Is, that's right. But also the Jags. 
The Rebels actually played really well in this game, I think, for the majority of the game. They led almost all the way through, but the Highlanders just wouldn't go away and, and played really well to come back into the game. So it, it was a fascinating game, probably one of the games of the round, to be honest with you. This one and the Chiefs-Hurricanes would be the other one, but yeah. it was a very, very tight battle. And I guess the, the turning point had to be that last play where it looked like the Rebels might have a, a sniff at scoring that last try, and Naholo just absolutely demolished him. Yeah, look, I mean, the two most influ- influential players happen to be the two top-scoring fantasy points uh, in this match. So, Reese Hodge, it's hard to argue with that he wasn't the most influential in this match. He scored, I think, three tries. He got two charge-down tries. One he snuck, uh, he actually grabbed out of the air, which was pretty impressive. That was, that was um, From a kick from <laughs> Tay Walden, I think it was. Yep. Um, he just looked good. He's... He, I mean, he's not going to hopefully get much chance there next year, and hopefully we see him slot into 13 if our boy Tamua does return home and, and actually goes across to the Rebels, which I think would be good for Australian rugby. But, I mean, he has shown glimpses that he could play there. I still don't think he's a 10, but up in that line, he's, he's been good in, in both attack and defence on, on multiple times now. Yeah, well, he just is... I think his biggest strength has to be just steering a team around. You know, he's probably a little bit Andre Pollard-esque. It's a bit harsh yeah. to say that about Pollard, who's a bit more accomplished at the moment at five yeah. eight, but plays the same way. Can run the ball up hard, kicks the corners, has a solid sized boot, and just is a rock in defense as well. Yeah. So he was the fantasy man of the match uh, with seventy six points. As I said, he got himself. I think was three tries, one hundred and nine meters. Um, and off nine runs. In terms of the other side, the second man of the match was Naholo. He was the Highlanders of the match. My boy. And uh, he snuck away for a really good little try down the sideline. Still had a little bit of work to do. I wouldn't call it little. Still had a little bit of work to do. Ran like 75 metres. <clears throat> yeah, but he didn't, have, <laughs> he didn't have to bump 10 blokes off. No, he just had to burn everyone. Yeah. So had a little bit of work to do, and he made it work. But then he also had that try saver right at the back end. I think it was on Maddox, yeah. who had a crack to, to sort of give the Rebels the chance to not only win the game, but to, to solidify themselves in the finals. And Naholo really stood up there, which is not necessarily something you expect from Naholo in defence. Yeah, look... I just love seeing how pumped up he was after it as well. He was super excited. And having said that, you know, one thing that I think is an underrated part of Naholo's game, which he did again, is his work on the on the ground. He does actually turn over a few balls as well. So he's he's a very, very good, well-rounded outside back, I reckon. Yeah, I think that's fair. Fiji's done him good, again, quite clearly. Um, so, yeah, Naholo got 144 run metres, six tackle busts. Uh, he looked good. Of eight runs. Yeah. That's uh, getting towards the 20 metres per run mark. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> um, in terms of other blokes that did well, I mean, pretty much any of the backs, loose forwards through to the backs for the Highlanders, snagged some points. So Tavita Lee got 43, Tay Walden got 45. Um, not too much from Yumung Jansen on his debut. Uh, he got himself 22 points. And the non-related Yuane got 22 points. Um, but no, it was a pretty good game. It was an interesting one, and it, it was worth a watch. So much riding on on that game. Yeah, I think um, I think Walden played really well for the Highlanders. Yeah, and Yuani uh, just showed a bit of inexperience at a few times there. You know, it was, I think it was his kick that um, 
the first kick that got charged down by, or second kick, sorry, that got charged down by Hodge. And there was a couple of other instances where he just rushed his game a little bit and kind of put his team under pressure. But otherwise, it was a pretty good debut from, from some of them. Yeah, the only other try that came for the Rebels was from Murphy, who was so pumped about it, he just went out and punched one of his teammates after the match. <laughs> yeah, yeah Lepetti Tamani must have tried to steal the ball off him look, or something like that. Yeah, look, I... I don't think we can get into it too much. We don't know what's going to happen between them. But uh, look, one of them's leaving the club. Or are they both leaving? They're both leaving the club. They've both been fined $15,000 each. Yeah. Uh, Amanaki Murphy is now on his way back to Melbourne, having been having posted bail in New Zealand. And apparently his hearing is going to be at the start of August. So All I know is if those two man mountains are fighting, I'm running. I'm not even standing and watching. I'm running away. Get as far away as possible. I'm <laughs> with you. Yeah. So uh, let's move right along. Yep, Crusaders versus the Blues. So our tip for this was the Crusaders to win by a lot. Uh, I think it's fair to say that that didn't take a lot of an analysis to try and pick that one. No, Look, I'll, I'll give it to us. <laughs> All right, good win for us, 2-1. 54-17, yeah. the Crusaders got up. Uh, I would tell you how many tries, but it's going to take me a while to count them. 8-3, eight, 8 tries to 3 in this one. Um, you had no new injuries, but you did have Tim Perry coming back on the bench from that hamstring injury that he had re-injured in the All Blacks camp. Um, <clears throat> we also had Rico playing at inside centre again um, and probably didn't get as exposed this week as what we had seen in the past, although I'm, I'm not going to lie, last week I really went and had a look. This week I didn't look as closely, and I know Tamana Valu played absolutely out of his skin through the middle of the park, so maybe. I'm not saying it was his fault, but look, I'll maybe point it was his fault. I'll point fingers. Yeah. Needless to say, he just doesn't need to play inside centre anymore. No, just put him on the wing. Yeah, get him get him as far away from the centres as possible. It's not his game. Um, tries in this one, you had Goodhue bag a couple. You had Bridge score three more to tie himself up as the, the competition top <clears throat> try scorer on 14 tries, along with Blam and Big T, Tekeli Nayarovoro. Uh, so awesome for Bridge, who's got probably three more games of scoring tries to top that and break the record. Uh, Tamanavalu, like we said, scored a try, played out of his skin, and Sam Whitelock and Bryn Hall just capped it off with a 77th and 80-minute try as well. Mulaney Nanai, probably the highlight for the Blues with a couple of tries himself, who's just looking... He's looking very big at the moment, Mulaney Nanai. I'm liking what I see out of him. Don't mind seeing him steamroll some blokes. Yeah, with that hot step as well. Love it. Yeah. Um, the one that got me by surprise for this was the Blues penalty try. So it's not often that you see the Crusaders get run over on a scrum leading to a penalty try, especially from the Blues pack, who we've talked about as being absolute mush for the entire season. So that one was really, really surprising. Of course, no Joe Moody this week. So they're going to be absolutely hanging out for Owen Franks uh, and to, to try and shore up their, their front row. Uh, I think you've probably got, what's his name, the, uh, the hooker coming back as well. I was distracted. <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm glad <laughs> the all-black hooker hasn't come to my mind. <laughs> Never heard of him. No? no? He's not a big deal anyway. Um, we'll come back to that. So <clears throat> what else from this one, Nels? Good Hugh is just an absolute beast. So it was awesome to see him just absolutely running amok. Uh, Kieran Reed injured his hand or thumb. They kind of they they were a bit non-committal on that one. So he's been on light training this week, and Ryan Crotty injured his wrist as well, also on light <clears throat> training. Um, Do you think they just had a really aggressive fist bump 
and it just didn't go the way they planned and they both got an injury. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. If I had to if I had to guess. Yeah. Um Good Hugh topped it, ninety one points, <clears throat> Bridge on eighty, Tamana Valo on seventy five, and White Lock on sixty two. So those are the ones that you could have predicted from the tries. And then Richie Moe <laughs> just doing well as well. Again, fifty seven points and just firing away. Him and Little are just so far and away the best five eights in the game, it's not funny. That's about all of it for this that one. So Waratahs, Brumbies, Nels, take us away. Look, I was at this game and I was a little bit disappointed that the Waratahs didn't really seem to turn up. I think the 31 to 40 point difference uh, with a nine point lead to the Brumbies really probably doesn't do them justice. They they look like the more solid team throughout the entire match. The Waratahs did snag a few tries um, and managed to stay in the game. And they had an opportunity towards the back end um, before the Brumbies, I think, did a little chip and, and ended up scoring off it. Um, and that sort of made the gap too large for them to chase. But the Brumbies, they just wanted it more. You saw that they turned up with guns blazing and, and just ready to go. The Tars were already worrying about what's going on this coming week. Mm. And, I mean, it's it's paid, but like it's, it's slapped them in the face. Yeah, well, they they now have to go away and talk about how it's a positive, but uh, I'm you not can't. buying it. <laughs> Look, I mean, it's easier to go, oh, we learn from it, but you're better off learning from your wins and taking a win and get second in the conference. Well, just hopefully you're not learning <clears throat> that you need to show up in round 19 of a competition as well. That's Yes, against a team that really wasn't that far off the that's, mark. In terms that's a of slow violence. lesson. Yeah, that is slow. Um, which some of the Waratahs players are quite slow. <laughs> But um, yeah, in terms of returning, Sam Carter turned off the, the bench from a back injury. I heckled him a few times in the sideline. He didn't seem to get too bothered by it. New injuries. Next, Rani, he did his ankle and so did Spate. Uh, Hooper was seen carrying Spate off, which you'd expect from a friend slash coach, a uh, captain. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was a class act, actually. Look, I mean, I've carried many blokes off that had injuries when I'm not playing. I don't think it's that special, but... It shows he's not a shit bloke. It doesn't show he's a great bloke. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> background to this is that Nelson won't give Hooper credit for absolutely anything. Oh, well, he's an amazing player. He's don't if he had ten, if he had, there's nothing to do with what I say. What if position was, should he play? If he was ten centimeters taller, he'd be the perfect six. He'd be one of the world's best six ever. But he's not. So where's he play? He for me. Yep. In the Wallabies currently, he would be playing six. So you're saying he's not. The Australia's best open side center. No. Center? Flanker. Pocock is. Okay. Hands down, far far above. All right, we spent too long on this. I just <clears> wanted <throat> some context so they could see why you weren't giving a guy credit for helping his, the opposition off Look, the field. Look, you're not going to drop him from the Wallabies, but Pocock's better. Um, and that's from a Tars fan. Um, Beal had tonsillitis uh, and hadn't trained during the week. Yeah, he looked very flat. Yeah. He looked like he had a bit of a sore throat, you reckon? Working a bit hard before the match? No, I know so. <laughs> um, and, and I think that kind of carried <clears throat> over. Easy for Lau didn't get in the game as well. So yeah. interesting to see the dynamic, how it just kind of shut them down so much when Beal wasn't running the show. Yep. Uh, Foley obviously had a lot more work to do and just didn't quite yep. take it by the scruff of the neck, I guess. The Brumbies uh, continue their rich vein of form, um, which, I mean, could have seen them scrape into the finals, but unluckily they missed out. A few results didn't go their way. 
Uh, look, I, I highlighted a few battles last week that I thought were going to be interesting to see, and it was Pocock versus Miller was the first one, which was a pretty awesome uh, battle. Pocock ended up with 43 points, and Miller ended up with 51 points, scoring himself a try, making 104 metres compared to Pocock. Not doing too many metres, but doing a bit more in defence. Yeah, I, I would Hitting every that. ruck. Pocock was the, <clears throat> was up there as the man of the match. He was pretty outstanding in that game. Every ruck, it just didn't matter how far it was from the last one, he was there. Yeah, it was ridiculous. He would, he would make a tackle 40 out on the right touchline, and then the next phase he was ready to pilfer 10 metres out on the left touchline. Like, yeah. Insane how, how mobile he is. I don't know how he does it. It's freakish. The other battle I highlighted was uh, the fullback battle. Um, with Banks and Falau. I think Banks had it over him. Um, Falau walked away from this match with 37.60 metres, three tackle busts, um, while Banks walked away 55 points, snagged himself a try, got 126 run metres, three offloads, um, a line break assist, a line break, and a tackle bust. He looked good. Yeah, he's he's been an awesome, awesome form the back half this year. Cannot wait for the bloke to be wearing green and gold. And I think we had a little bit of a discussion about it yesterday. He's he's a man that can finish. It would be good to see him on the wing for the Wallabies. He can finish, but he can also kick and he can also defend. Yeah, the one one of the things we were discussing on our first recording of the pod was if he could play the the finishing winger position rather than having to compete with DHP. I think he's got the ability, the acceleration off the mark and, and just the top end speed that he could play a sing, similar kind of role to yeah. Coro Betty, but he's obviously just so yeah. much more rounded in his game. He offers it, you so it would much be, more. It would be sad to punish him because he's got those skills but more. Yeah, exactly it's right. It's like, mate, you're a good finisher. But you're too good at defending and kicking, yep. so you can't have the finisher role. So you're only competing with DHB. <laughs> yeah, pretty ridiculous. Um, in terms of the top point scorers in this match, Naira Voro snags 76 points. The guy is a monster. It doesn't, mean if he's, doesn't matter if his team winning or losing. He scored a try. He wasn't that far off a couple more down that left-hand channel. Uh, he got three line breaks, 158 metres off 11 runs, and eight tackle busts, which is beast. Yeah, it's it's a real shame to see him him being let go next year. It, it's, it shows, I think, I don't know, like something's missing there from Tars to retain these players because the bloke was killing it early on in the season when he had his opportunity, and he only signed mid-season, didn't he? I think it was signed. quite early, yeah, it was quite early. But it's, it's sad to see a bloke like that go. Surely he signs a contract that says, if I'm picked in the Wallabies, I can stay in Australia. Yeah. Do you the World be, Cup's next is year. Is he going to be picked in the, in the Wallabies? Fuck no, he's not, because he's going overseas. <laughs> no, I mean, if he stayed. Look, he could be in the squad going into the World Cup. Yeah, I agree he could be in the squad, but I just don't see him getting a run anyway, to be honest with you. If he was sold, more sold in defence and didn't throw away so much possession when he got wrapped up, I think you would see him... You, you're missing my point, start. though. It means he stays for us, for the Waratahs. <laughs> right. Sorry. All right. So other than that, pretty much all the Brumbies were, were over 50 points, a score on 50 points. I think it was like seven or eight blokes that were 50, give or take. Um, you had Rory Arnold and Richie Arnold. Richie actually walked away with 51 points, bettering his brother on 42. Pocock got 43, as we said. Lilia Fano, 49. Muirhead had another good game. Snagged himself a try, 60 points. Five tackle busts from one of the smallest blokes that play rugby. Um, Godwin got 63. Kieran Dryney got 69. Their centre pairing this week was awesome. Um, sad to see that broken up with Godwin going. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> he, that's that's another 
lack of, uh, I think, foresight. The bloke's been a good player. Well, he signed in. He signed in preseason. Yeah, but still, the bloke's a good player. He's started performing this year. Mm. Do whatever you can to keep the bloke there. He's a, he's an awesome twelve, and he's got a number of years. But he is going to come back. It sounds like. Yeah, he seemed he seemed pretty set on the fact that he might come back in a couple of years. Spade also got forty six with exactly a hundred meters, and as we said, Tom Banks fifty five. So lots of points for the Brumbies all round. Yep, absolutely. So the next one, Lions versus Bulls. <clears throat> yep. Uh, the Lions had to win to take second spot on the ladder, and they did exactly that. Jerks. Taking the win out 38 points to 12. The Bulls started pretty well, but they weren't really able to kind of stick with them. We Oop. thought Andre Pollard might be the uh, the real deciding factor in this one, and he did not play. So I think it's fair to say that they, they missed him. Yeah. Yep. Is that what you're going to say? Yep, no, okay. I'm say something different. Marnie LeBoc filled in for his first start at 10. He was awesome. I, he was probably my favourite player little, to watch from the game. The little utility. Yeah. Now, he can play a bit of everything. He's very young, and he was very, very exciting to watch play. He's uh, He scored 71 fantasy points. He scored a try, made two line breaks, both straight down the centre of the field. From his 10 runs, he had 186 run metres and 11 tackle busts. More tackle busts than runs and almost 20 metres a run. That's from a rookie 5'8". Outrageous. Wow. And he was quick as well. So it was it was awesome to see him going at a million miles an hour. But Malcolm Marks was our fantasy leader for the game. <clears> so he took 86 points from the match. And he's just so far and away the best hooker at this point. He scored another try, had a line break, a line break assist, uh, <clears> a couple <throat> of offloads, three tackle bars. He's strong on the ground. He just has an all-round game. And I guess the big question is, Nelson, in your World 15, do you take Malcolm Marks or Dan Coles? Uh, Marks, because he's not injured. If Dan Coles was 100% fit. It's hard hard to compare. Look, I think Coles, I think, is probably more influential in terms of his leadership as well. Um, and that's something that would probably get him over the line for me. Marks is an awesome player, and he scores a lot of tries off the back of their solid driving more. Don't let that detract from anything else he does. But Coles can throw a cutout. Coles can step someone and, and create his own gaps. He's, he's an absolute freak with a little bit more all-round of a game. Yeah, look, I know the South African listeners won't like it, but I think I would still put Coles to start. Look, I'd, I'd get Marks in there, and I'd play him in whatever position he wants. That's fine. He can still play. We can play seven. Yeah, over Hooper. <laughs> With yeah. Pocock at eight. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll move on. Uh, Combrick scored a double in this one as well, so his try-scoring run continues in, in very, very good form at the moment. Um, you also had a return from Travis Ishmael, who almost scored a late try, but ended up being disallowed. So he actually had a pretty quiet game, only 18 fantasy points for him. Uh, on the injury front, we had Nick Groom, who fractured his hand. 14 minutes in, he's now had surgery, and he'll be gone for the rest of the season. So gone from finals, which obviously is big news for Ross Cronier, who was looking like he might have actually fallen <coughs> out of favour for the Lions, but he's, now getting big minutes. He's a good scoring fantasy halfback. Though. He's the top. Yeah, so that's, that's a and big ha- thing to take. Having, having Groom <coughs> dropped, he's massive. You also had uh, Johnny Cotier, who had apparently his, his fitness was in question throughout the week, although we're not sure quite why he got pre <coughs> game. And then so we ended up seeing Warwick Lance slot in at 12, and he played very, very well for a man playing his first professional game there. Scored 58 fantasy points, a couple of line breaks, seven tackle busts, just looked good all around through the match. I was very impressed with him. Apparently he's played a lot of centre through the junior ranks as well. Yep. 
Um, also, Kirsten, Janice Kirsten injured his ribs through the match as well and went off. Uh, and then, other than that, we had some big games from uh, and from Kotsi at the back as well. Kotsi, sorry, at the back as well with 47 points, who just happens to constantly get involved and, and get his hands on the ball and obviously listed as a fly half, which is I big. I still do not like his head. Neither do I. Uh, Kyle Brink, I thought, was outstanding. Probably the, the, the best Lucy in this match by a pretty significant margin. He actually scored as the top Lucy as well. Or even with Van Sarden, 43 points for each of them. But Kyle Brink just seems to be growing throughout the year, and he's been absolutely exceptional. I actually he's, rate him right up there with Whiteley and Quagga Smith. He's really actually taken that chance with Yucca Creel absent. I'd still be starting Creel over him, but, God, he's, he's playing well. Well, Yucca Creel can play seven as well, their six as well. So Quagga's the man that's at, at risk, I think, to be honest with you. Yeah, I can see. Quagga had a really good start, but has, has sort of fallen away. Yeah, yeah, not quite in the same form that he was in 2017. We um, also had Skozan making his comeback, just to wrap it up. So Skozan obviously had his ACL injury right at the start of the year, came back, scored a late try to bump him up to 30 fantasy points, but didn't have too many involvements. Uh, you had Dianche come on and have a run right at the end of the game and score a try as well. So should be very interesting <clears> to see who they start out of those two next week. Yep. That wraps this one up. Now it's Sharks-Jags. Sharks-Jags, the last game of the week. So the Jags had all the possession, but the Sharks had all the points, 20 to 10. Um, the Jags actually had 65% of the, the ball. They made 153 runs compared to 77. So they made pretty much double the runs. They also had 181 tackles by the Sharks compared to 79 tackles from the Jags. So that is Jesus. massive. Um, mind you, with so much less ball, the Sharks actually had more miss miss tackles. Well, that's 20, what you oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, and that's hand, what same handling errors though. Yeah, same amount of handling errors. The, half the touches. The Jags were playing a B team, and they looked half asleep. Yeah, so they did not learn from what the Lions did last year and have a junk team just before the finals. Well, they had they they didn't have the opportunity by the time this one kicked off to take second spot or, or the top spot of the South African Conference, so maybe that kind of took the wind out of their sails. But they but still they could have named a full squad, you know what I mean? Like they could have been guns blazing and going for it. I guess the risk was though that they were expecting that they were going to have to jet off to Australia if the Waratahs turned up. Yep. And then you know that's a lot of travel for that team. Yeah, it's true. Uh, in terms of the fantasy leaders, actually, no, I won't jump straight to that yet. I am excited, though. But there's been no returning injuries and no new injuries. Um, the Sharks win actually snuck them into the finals over than some of our boys, which is, is really disappointing. Um, we were surprised that Dan Dupree was named. We were sort of saying that the Sharks were missing a lot of their, their dominance from the forwards, but they actually turned up and, and did quite well. Um, Tyler Paul, Harry named as his smoky last week, and I think he was pretty terrible. I think he had 20 points or something. Give me a break. Look, you said he was the smoky and he was going to kill it because he's a Lucy. Oops. No, he's a lock listed at Lucy, and I was expecting that he was a good chance with the injury to Dan Dupriers to get a run in the loose. Yeah. In the end, Dan Dupriers was declared fit. He didn't get a run in the loose forwards. Instead, he got named at lock, and so he didn't do as well as we were hoping that he would do with that kind of positional advantage. But 20 points is still okay, considering he did play in the locks. Yeah, so don't listen to Harry. <laughs> um, two, two versus two now. Two right, two wrong. Yeah, for you. I'm two right, one wrong. 
Mm-hmm. Um, fantasy leaders, Van der Merwe took home the gong with 61 points. As I sort of said before, Dan Dupree's picking up where he, he's, him and his brother left off, snagged 46 points for the second top points uh, in the match. Detroit absolutely killed it um, at prop with 44 points. So Van der Merwe, where did he get his points from? He snagged himself a try. He did a little bit of ball in hand, a little bit in defence, um, which is sort of what you want from your hooker doing a bit of everything. Um, Schroeder, did he? Schroeder, Schroeder didn't get injured, but he just didn't do anything. It's like he wasn't there. No, the two halfbacks for them have been junk all year. Yeah. Um, there wasn't too much else that really stood out for the Sharks, to be honest. Um, even though they were the winning side. Jags seemed to get most of the points. Uh, the guy that sells your Dells got 43 points. Cancellieri got 43 points. Moyano got himself 31, and Escusa had 38. Miscuzzi. Um, Miscuzzi. And don't forget Montoya at Hooker got himself 39, and Matera also got 39. So a lot more points coming from the Jaguares. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It was good to see Kramer make a comeback as well and get another run at the number seven jersey. So it should be interesting to see what they do with him <clears> next week. I know he's potentially training at lock this week now as well. So yeah, just keep a see, close eye on that one. Did you see the the training that was training today? Yeah, so yeah. they named him at lock and they had well, Lozano they, at seven. Yeah, well, they didn't name him. That's just what they were yeah, training. That's what, yeah, and that's generally consistently throughout the year been what they've run with, though. So I think it's quite reliable. Yep. All right, so that, that wraps up the entree. Pretty full, but I think I can sneak in some uh, main course. What do you reckon? I'm ready for my main. Yeah, to wait. <clears throat> Hurricanes Chiefs. So obviously the four quarterfinals this week. Hurricanes Chiefs, the first game of the week, end on Friday, 7.35pm in Wellington. You also have the Crusaders Sharks on Saturday, followed by the Waratahs Highlanders Saturday. So we're talking 7.35 New Zealand time, aren't we? Yep. So 5.35 Australian, South Africa, you guys are too confusing, you've got too many different time zones. Yeah, but you guys need to Google it. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be early. It's going to be too early for you guys if you're at work. Yeah, and then we go Crusaders Sharks followed closely by the Waratahs Highlanders on the Saturday, and then a few hours after that, you have the Lions versus Jags who are kicking off at 1:05 a.m. over here. I wouldn't be surprised for us not to have both those teams named if one of them was missing or if both of them missing. I would not be that surprised coming into such a big match. Mm. South African teams like to sort of withhold their team lineups, so wouldn't be surprised to see the the lines missing. The Jags, we already can pretty much predict what's going to be happening there. Yep, yep, absolutely. So the Hurricanes and the Chiefs have got a are going to have a big rotation of players for this game. So the last round that they just played, where the Chiefs got up, was uh, was a game in Hamilton. So switching it up back to Wellington this week. Uh, there's a few injuries which we're not sure about. So Shields injured his rib cartilage. Wes Hoosen had that concussion, which we uh, we said was a possibility of, uh, of being right. So I think they're both listed as 50-50, but the coach isn't very confident apparently from what I've been reading. Finlay Christie had his concussion but doesn't get a mention by the coach because he's on the bench every week. Uh, you also had Sam Kane who they rested essentially after being lightly concussed week before so yeah i'm expecting him back but apparently they haven't locked it in or it might <coughs> just did, be the coach playing they games. did say he passed the concussion test yeah. last week though. so i think the coach is playing games because yeah. harris had a cork as well and they're saying he's not necessarily right they don't want to tell them yet either and i'm sorry but no international level hooker is missing no. two weeks 
for a quad cork, especially a final. Yeah, no way. So expect Kane back, expect Nathan Harris back as well. Nepo Lalala should be making his his return this week as well, I think, off the bench, coming on for Angus Ta'aval. So he's fractured forearm, which has had a lot of complications. has <clears throat> kept him out for a long time. Ta'aval is, what, like a mid-range prop, is he? No, he's ranked about eight he... out of the finals or something, I think. He's, he's pretty not... solid. So, yeah, mid-range if there's about 16 starters. Well, there's going to be eight starters in the top four, yeah. So that makes him just in the cusp of the the players that's going to be starting in a team. But he's also someone that normally <clears throat> plays 72 to 75 minutes. But not going to be this week if so, Lau Lala is named, is sort of what I was getting at. Yeah, well, we're... Ex- Lau- yeah, that's <coughs> right. He's going to play less minutes. He's going to get less that's minutes. That's right. Yeah. Tyler Ardron, as we said, still has that concussion issue, which is a real problem. Natai, they're saying headache, they're saying illness. Who knows what's going to happen there? But I know that they're going to really want him to play now that Fauli has decided to take someone else's head off. Yes. Luke Jacobson is also struggling with concussion, and Tony Pulu injured his ribs as well. So those two are both a maybe, I think, for this week. Uh as we, we covered Foley, so the the prediction for this one, personally, uh, I don't know which way it's going to go. I feel that Chiefs have the uh, have the form and they know how to shut down the Hurricanes' attack, so my pick is going to be Chiefs. Look, I was leaning towards the Hurricanes yesterday. I wasn't necessarily confident as it came out of my mouth. Yeah, I think, honestly, having a bit more of a, a thought about it today and putting a few multis on, I would like to see the Chiefs win. Yep, so would I. Yeah. Just to mix up the power and power amongst the New Zealand conference as well, it's always good. Although, yeah. you know, whoever it is still going to have to play Crusaders at one stage if they want to win the, win the tournament. And hopefully one of them can get that done yep. for the small chance the Tars could get a... For everybody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And no one else is going to beat them in no. New Zealand. So I, I guess the big <clears throat> ones here in terms of lineups is will Hooson recover from his head, from his uh, concussion? So if he doesn't, then we're expecting Geordie Barrett to play it outside centre and the Hurricanes to lose. To get flogged. Yeah. Because <laughs> that, that one just, just doesn't work with him. Shuts down every good thing that they've got going for them. Yeah. <clears throat> also, you were quite worried, I think, about their game plan over the last couple of weeks, which was get it to Lamape. Um, we had a bit of a discussion about this yesterday because it didn't work for them this week against the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, but, I, look, I was thinking that they probably saw that foul Uli inside center channel as maybe something that they could hit up and, and they could try and exploit if so if Natai's name there it, it might be something that they go okay there's a bit more experience there it didn't work for us last week I don't expect to see the same thing happen again this week and, and they're probably going to look for a bit more width and they're going to look to maybe still hit up the center a few times to create those gaps but not just constantly punch up the centre like they have. Yeah, well, I think the, the other series. way that they, they run a lot of their attack is with that smart short kicking game as well off Bodie Barrett, so I think <clears> that <throat> will probably play a big role in this one as well. Yep. If D-Max floating around the back, though, there's just going to be bold points for him. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other conversation is with the outside back. So if Pulu is fit from his rib injury, he's going to be a little bit sore, and his defence is very average to start with. He's missed seven of his last 20 tackles, so if those ribs are itching, he's going to be versing either Blam or Sevilla. So there could be an absolute field day of those big boys running over the top of him this week. I think that's a real issue for the Chiefs. Um, otherwise, you know, if he's not fit, I could see them moving Natai back to fullback and shifting around Alamalo to the wing, which I think jumps Alamalo's uh, value up a lot as well. Yep. Um, Blade Thompson or Gareth Evans at the back. Nelson, which do you work, Which way do you reckon they're going to go for that one? 
Um, Blade Thompson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably Blade Thompson. So this is your prediction? What did I say yesterday? <laughs> I think you said Blade Thompson. Yeah. He's, he kind of came back from a very slow start to the year and he's been playing pretty well. And I think on the back of having a very good game for the team last week, I think it'll be rough to drop him. So we're expecting him to get the run over Gareth Evans. But obviously, again, they're going to share some minutes. So it's not a fantastic thing for yeah. either of them from a fantasy yeah, perspective. Neither, neither of them, no matter who starts, is going to be huge scorers. Brody Retallick is just ultra-valuable. <clears throat> is by far the best lock in the game for the finals. So I think he's averaged yeah. now is 41.3. Uh, he's an absolute beast, so he's going to be very, very valuable and obviously just controls the, the game for them. I don't think anyone can really argue that there is anyone that comes close to him no. in the locks in the world. Arguably the best player in the world at the moment with the form he's come back into. Uh, La Marpe is in good form as well, so it'll be very interesting, as we said, to see if they do go for that a tactic of making him the battering ram or if they try and use him as more of a dummy runner, given how that w- did not work last week. Yep. Uh, and finally, uh, DMAC is, is, like we said, a, a chance to play with some big, big points. He's right up pretty much even with Falau and then Big T as the top dogs in the outside backs. And he's running the ball a lot more at 10, <clears throat> looking a lot more assured as this season's gone on. So Definitely, I think yeah. he's he's really hitting form and should direct them around pretty well. Definitely that. I think that bit more experience of the All Blacks has been good for him. Yeah, for sure. That's Especially about it from this one, Noss. Yeah. You got anything else, Nat? No, that's pretty much it. Crusader Sharks. So this is, yeah, Saturday in Christchurch. At uh, 7.35 Kiwi time. Um, so in terms of people that are returning for the Crusaders, we've got Bryn Hall, we've got Franks, Crockett, Scott Barrett, um, and we're thinking Taufua hopefully at six. Do you think Taufua at six? Or do you think um, Bedwell? I think Tafua at six because of the experience that he has in big games. Yeah. And, you know, the injury cloud over Kieran Reid probably only makes me a little <clears throat> more confident as well. Yep, that's true. Um, we're expecting Havili to start this week. Um, in, in terms of for the Sharks, uh, Jean-Luc Dupriez could be back. We don't think he's going to be back, do we? No, he's it's confirmed since we since we did these notes. Confirmed that him and Artie both will not be back for this game. Your top two Lucys yeah. have gone bye-bye. Yeah, that's right. So that's massive. Yeah, so pay attention to who else is around there and, and what that drop-off is because now there's going to be quite a big drop-off to probably those lower-tier guys there. One of the things I was expecting was that Dan Dupree's average might be higher when John looks not around, but it's actually not. So I don't think you can read too much into how his <clears throat> performance is going to go because he's actually been relatively consistent regardless of, of Jean-Luc's availability. So, Were you saying higher? You thought it was going to be higher or lower? I thought it was going to be higher because he was going to have to pick up an extra extra work rate. It is higher. Dan Dupree is. I was saying his average would be higher without Jean-Luc there. Okay. But it's not. It's not. Yes. You're going to check me live on podcast because I'm telling you that I know. I'm just saying he's smashed his average last week. And he had a bye the week before. Then he had his one of his other best games the week before that. So he's had two of his best games. I think the line, he was there for the Lions, though, John. <clears throat> okay, so he's pretty much at his equal best for his one game. Yeah, so he had one good game and one bad game. Well, one was 24 minutes, so you're yep. not going to get big points in 24 minutes. <clears throat> yeah, so basically his average is, is bang on. No different. All right. All right, thanks. I'm glad we spent a lot of time fact-checking me there. Uh, Richie Moanga could be absolute beast, Nels, don't you think, this week? Look, Moanga, he's just so... He's just got so much class. He guides the, uh, the 
the team around. He'll he'll create some gaps. He'll put people through the gaps and get some line break assists. He's, he's just got to be so valuable there as a 10. He's the, the top 10 in the comp so far in fantasy. Um, and I think there's a fair bit of a drop-off from him, isn't there? So who's our second? Uh, Nick Sanchez. Yeah, yes. oh, look, Sanchez, he, Sanchez got an average of 38.7 compared to 54.8. But if you actually look at his recent starts, he, he's actually looking solid. So his last three is 46.7. But I feel like his last five starts is even above that as well. Um, yeah, 48.6, there yeah. you go. So very high. So, I mean, the drop-off isn't as large from him, but, I mean, I know which one I'd want on my team. Yeah, especially against the Sharks. This is probably the biggest mismatch, logically, first versus eighth in the finals as well. And it's being the Crusaders. Yeah. yeah. So if you can get a chance to get a, a generally good scoring uh, Crusader, you're, you're going to be in a pretty good position. Um, in terms of other things that we sort of made a bit of a, a, a note about, so, look, our prediction, we were sort of saying that the Crusaders are going to run away with this. Um Sharks could be jet lagged. Generally, they're they're pretty terrible away from home. One win all year away from home, and that was yeah. against the Blues, I think. They're both actually the best two tackling teams in the competition, um, where the twenty point nine missed tackles, I think, on average from the Sharks, and twenty one point nine for the Crusaders each game. So one more missed tackle, but expect that to be a little bit different this week, I'd say. The Crusaders normally concede 2.4 tries, and the Sharks normally concede 3.5. So we were sort of saying maybe two to four tries, something along that sort of difference with a few penalties in there, and that sort of explained why we thought it was going to get up towards that 20, a bit above or a bit below, uh, around that sort of point difference there. Yep. Um, Yeah, so we said no Jean-Luc. Um, we've said Moang and Sanchez looking pretty good. Good Hugh is the third centre in the comp. He's got an average of 44.5. Um, and we're expecting this to probably be another game that he's going to score big points. Mm. Um, he's got a few guys that, I mean, he's not far off. Antoinette Brown and Laomarpe, they're all on 44 points something. So he's only 0.1 behind Laomarpe, 0.3 behind Leonard yeah. Brown. And this could he could be arguably potentially the best pickup out of those blokes. I would say so. Yeah. So that could change this week. He could slot straight into number one there. Yeah. Uh, in terms of other things, Cobus van Dyke. Um, so we're saying he's going to be up against Bridge, uh, who's unbelievable in D. We're saying he's just, he's hard, he's impossible to beat. Yeah. Cobus van Dyke is an exciting player. I really yeah. like him, but you're up against George Bridge, you're just not scoring tries. It's yeah. just not going to happen. And we were also saying Giant and Lucania Am, who both have an average of about 33-34, they're generally not bad point scorers in the centres. Um, but up against this All Blacks pair, this centre pairing, they might struggle for space. They're going to have a lot of pressure on them. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that drop down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's not. It's just not a good matchup. Yeah. Um, another thing we've also pointed out a few times throughout the year is that the Sharks hookers tend to get points from the driving more tries, um, but the Crusaders have just got such good D in, the, in that sort of aspect of the game. So, mm. I mean, you might be expecting some less points from... Well, Akers especially is, is a little bit up and down. You know, he starts and one week he'll get 35, 40, and then the next week he gets eight points. Yeah. So I think if there was anyone where he's going to be, if he's up for his eight-point game, this is it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <clears throat> Moving right along... Waratahs Highlanders, Saturday night, playing in Sydney. I think it kicks off at 8.05pm. 
straight after maybe half an hour after the end of the Crusaders game. So in this one, the Highlanders are just bringing back the cavalry. Uh, they did lose last time after that fly kick from Tavita Nabura. Look, I, I think it's worth knowing that or noting that the, the Tars looked like they were up for that match. They, yeah. were, they were looking strong prior to that. So maybe that blew it out more, but they did look like the the team on top yeah. when that happened. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was they were definitely looking very strong, but I, I think again it's hard to read into a game where you get a very early definitely. red card. Knowing that the Tars can drop away with the back end of a game as well, which mm. they have done, say against the Crusaders and things like that as well. Yeah. So you have Sam Luke, rather, Whitelock coming back this week, Aaron Smith, Ben Smith, Tom Franklin uh, Rob Thompson as well, all coming back from being rested over the weekend. I think there was a couple more on their bench actually for the for the last game, the Highlanders that uh, that should be slotting back in. Can't remember who I'm I, thinking of. I can't remember who you're talking. No. Anyway, there's 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 a whole new lineup coming back from the Highlanders, so their form from last week shouldn't mean too much. Uh, Hunt is the other one, oh, Dylan yeah, Hunt. Yeah. So we were questioning why Hunt was getting wasn't getting a run. I think he was grouped into that category of. As one of the top tacklers in the competition, they just yeah. were happy to give him a bit of a rest and give Lenches the run. Yeah, we were questioning what that back row was going to look like, but thinking uh, most realistic, we're going to see Lenches drop to the bench and, and Hunt slot in there at seven. Yeah, despite Lenches having an absolute screamer yeah. last week. They've just got too much depth. Yeah. Uh, Hooper is still definitely going to be injured, or they say not definitely, but definitely going to be injured. Ran Waters on the weekend. They said, oh, medically he's probably not fit, but if he gets the chance, they'll try and run him. So he's not going to play. I just don't see it happening, um, especially when he can't train with the team all week. I just don't see why they would rush him in like that. I see why they would. They're going, God, we need him. It's finals. Yeah, yeah it just disrupts the team. But yeah, look, I mean, the, the Tars back row and, and Holloway in, in the second rows looked really, really solid. So... Hooper's an awesome player. He's so influential. Don't get me wrong, but that it's they've looked really good when he hasn't been there. So maybe you are silly to rush him so back. So you're there. saying Hooper, the Brotars <laughs> are better without Hooper on the team? No, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. But they've looked pretty good. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, look, our, our prediction, I think both of us just said it was a flip of the coin. Who yeah. knows? It really depends on who shows up. Uh, I think that uh, I, I always want to look to the Highlanders' game plan when I'm trying to predict who plays them because they play so different to anyone else. They kick the ball a lot. Uh, they have a good, very good tactical kicking game, and then they make a lot of tackles. So kicking the ball back to Izzy Folau and Big T, Kirtley Beal, I think is a risky game plan to start with. And then I know that the, the Highlanders have been pretty tired on the back end of this season and are missing more tackles. I think the second most tackles in the competition now as well. So unless they can kind of get that right, I, I think there's some red flags there for the Highlanders this week. Um, the Highlanders, having said that, are the best team in the comp at getting the advantage line at 70.5% of the time, which is absolutely massive. And, you know, I think they say normally over 65% or something you're winning games in, in most foot, football games. So they're way above that. Uh, and they're also the third worst at giving up the uh, the uh, line breaks at 8.3 line breaks a game. So you're reading that number, then Curtis Rona, Curtly Beal, Izzy Folau, uh Big T. Yes, Big T, Naravora. So many line breaks this week. Yeah, put some points on Naravora. Yeah, so the, the hard work and the work rate will be done by the forward packs, and then there's just some amazing matchups out back. You've got 
Foley versus Lima Sopawanga, 35 average versus 27 average. You got Walden at Beald inside centre, Walden having the edge at 31 versus Beald's 28. Then you got Curtis Rayner, who of course is listed as an outside back, but he's up against Rob Thompson, and their averages are 41 to 37. So there's just nothing between how these players perform week in, week out. The gap does open up a little bit when you're looking at Big T versus Naholo at 53-41, and Falau Ben-Smith at 52 average versus 34 average, you know, two of the the three best outside backs performing in the game at the moment. Yep. So, I don't know, to me, that's probably where it's going to be one. If the Waratahs can get it done, it's going to be Big T and Izzy Folau just breaking them open. Yeah, I agree with that. Look, I mean, this something that I'm still scarred about. I think it was in 2015, I'm 100% sure, when the Highlanders turned up at home for, a, a, I think it was a quarterfinal or a semifinal for the Tars, and all I remember is Phipps giving them two tries. Do you remember that? They, he passed one directly to the hand that they scored off. Another one he passed back. They scooped up and scored. I think 2015 was the championship year, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, so maybe it wasn't 2015. Yeah. <laughs> 20, it was, maybe it was prior to that. It might have been the first year Phipps came. Yeah, okay. 2013 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, I think Phipps has been playing out of his skin. Probably one of the form halfbacks in the He's, comp at the moment. He is looking really good now, mm. and that's definitely a solid thing. Uh, seeing as he has been junk on and off sometime. But no, 2015 was the Highlanders winning, so I am was correct. Yep. Highlanders beat us in the semi-final at home and then, then won. There you go. Um, yeah, so there you go. In terms of our next match, we've got the Lions-Jags. So this is at Saturday, I think, our time, Australian time. It's it's say, oh, do you know what time it is? 1.05 a.m. our time. That's the Australian time, is it? Don't know. Yeah. It's going to be a game that's probably worthwhile waking up if you're an Aussie or a Kiwi fan of Super Rugby anyway because all these games count a lot. In terms of uh, people that are returning, expect a full-strength Jag, Jags team. We're not going to expect them to rest anyone. Um, 11 o'clock, actually. 11 o'clock on Saturday for the, for the Aussies. Yeah, I thought one was one the Kiwis. One o'clock for time. the Kiwis, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, the Jaguares team should be full-strength. Um, we're talking about Garcia Bota coming back, Creevy to start, who has been awesome when he starts. Um, he's up there for one of the top um, scoring hookers, but when he actually starts, he, he adds another 10 points on or 5, 10 points on because uh, he's had a couple games where he's come off the bench and got nothing. No, I, I reckon he's, he's actually just changed his form, to be honest with you. Creevy is... Uh, I was looking at it today. Yeah, Creevy's the, the second best on averages over the last five or something like that. He's been pretty exceptional. He has had a few games off the bench, but for the majority of the time, I think he's just actually come into some really solid form. Yeah, so look, his average points is 33. He's... Last three is 42. His last five is 41. I think when I was looking at his his score, when we took away each of those um, uh, games off the bench, yeah. Yeah. his score was 41. So, yeah, right up there throughout the entire year, not yep. just his last four or five. Yeah, which puts him as the, the second-ranked hooker in the game. Yeah. Um, we're also looking at Petty, um, Tetas, Chaparro, Alamana or Lavanini, we're not too sure. We were saying what was what was named this week or what was was Grammar and Petty. Yeah, yeah. Um, Matera, um, Ortega Desio would be number eight. Bertrandau, who doesn't get points. Sanchez, who's looking good, um, and then uh, pretty pretty much what you'd expect with Moyano, Delgai, and Buffelli uh, in the back three with De La Fuente and Orlando in the centres. Um, the Lions look; they give up. 
the advantage line 66% of the time, which is the third worst after the Reds and Brumbies, which does not look good for Australian rugby. Um, the Jags the Jags give up 56.1%, which is the third best. Um, I, off topic, but you know the Brumbies, okay, have the second worst ad line uh, in the comp, but they have the fourth best defence. That's outrageous. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I only just heard that stat today. I just It just doesn't make sense to me. It just hit me. Anyway. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, what would you be expecting there is the Lions need to look to have a, a pretty dominant forward game, um, look for their driving mores, those sorts of things. But that, that generally is going to suit the Argentinians pretty well. Um, they know how to muscle up through their big boys. Um, you, look, you, you were reading into it probably more so than I were. Uh, I was. The Jags have lost two of their three since the international break. Um, mind you, one of these games were with quite a, like it's basically a B team. So they've won one, lost one since they've been back. And mm. prior to leaving, what, they had seven on the trot that they won. Yep. So if you look at the international form, sure, you can say they've been on a pretty bad run. It's hard to say that in terms of Super Rugby, though. Yeah, I, I think it's just going to come down to if they can get up, get them up for this game. Yeah, I agree. What's the what's the coach's name? <clears throat> he was the prop. Yeah. Yes. Come on, I'm looking to you for help here. Anyway, he, he Ledesma. Spent, Ledesma spent a lot of time yes. under Checker, where his whole game was about motivation. I'll so beat you to it. if he can, uh, if he can try and drive some of that kind of game plan that Checker was so good at, then I, I think the, it'll make a big difference to the Jags. But they will really need it to be lifted because I think they haven't looked that solid in the last six weeks or seven weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of match, uh, match-ups, Sanchez, I think it will be all over um, Yantes, who mm. misses 33% of his tackles. So solid. he's a guy that I would avoid, like the plague. Um, yeah, Sanchez has got an average of 42 points from his last five. He is looking good in this back end um, of this season. But, I mean, the, the biggest thing to come out of this game is King Marks. Long live King Marks. He's, uh, he's going to average of 57, 20 points over his opposition, Cody Taylor, who is, I think, sitting in third in terms of his actual average for hookers. So the man is a beast. Marks. Yeah, yeah, but his opposition won't be Cody Taylor, sorry. He, um... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, his, his opposition is going to be Akers, who's lower down again. He's actually 34.1. Uh, yeah, so sorry. there's a 24-point difference. Yes, I don't know why Cody Taylor would be playing for <laughs> the Jags. He's going to be excited there. Yeah. Um, but no, look, I think it'll be an interesting game. I think the game could go either way. Look, the lines at home are so solid. They were touch and go through the back end of this season, but you can't forget that through literally the last like eight or nine games, they, they had two home games, and they won both of those, I think. Earlier on in the year, yes, they did lose a few home games, Um but it's, it's hard to sort of read their back end of season form when they haven't been doing too bad, but it's always been away from home. Yep. Yeah. Um, I look, you, I think you were thinking the, the Lions were going to sneak away by a try or so here. Yeah, that's what I thought. I, I just thought that um, the Lions at home, they've got a lot of finals experience. They're probably playing their best footy yeah. of the season so far. The, the experience and the, the home field advantage has got everything that gets them over the line. But for me... I know what I want to see, and that's the Jags to win yeah, and the okay. Lions to not get a home semi-final. I'm with you. Um, anything else that you wanted to add from that game? No, no, <clears> that's <throat> about it. Um, let's go into the last part of our meal. What, what comes after the main? I don't know. You tell me. 
Go, dance that, floor, dance floor. That's the deserto yeah. that we're going to be playing this week. Uh, we're going to look at just a couple of the key matchups that, or the key players in each position that you might want to know about. So we'll start at the top from the props. Uh, the top ranked prop this week is Tommy Robertson. Actually, funnily enough, was it? Is it both the Tars for first and second? Second place is Sakopi Kepu. So, despite not having the most dominant scrum this year, those two have played outstandingly well. And removing Wilco Low and Kitsoff, you know, I think it bumped them up a fair bit. And Beast has been a bit in and out of the team recently as well. So, also, you know, those two are closely followed by Tumunga Allen, Beast, and Thomas Dutoit. And Thomas Dutoit's probably been one of been particularly excited about in the last few weeks as well finally coming into uh, good form in the tight head position i think mikey alato is looking to get a start is he not uh should be yeah 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 his average when he's actually starting is, looks like it's about 26 27 points so yep. that puts him right up there with tom robertson and yep. sakopi Kepu, puts him so. a second yeah yeah so that's that's worthwhile to note yep nelson what do you got for hookers Look, I think the hookers is a is a pretty obvious one, as we sort of alluded to before. Malcolm Marks on the actual stats is just over 20 points above Riccatelli, and a little bit above the, the guys that are sort of chasing him, which aren't far off Riccatelli themselves. Um, Marks, he's just a bloke. If, you, if you're going to be picking someone early, it's hard to go past him in your first two, three picks. You've got to be first two. Yeah. So, I mean, there's not many people that are going to have 20 points more than the next valuable person in that position. So we had a bit of a breakdown on, on what we should be sort of doing with this sort of thing. It's not you're not looking for necessarily the top point scorer out of everyone because you want to look for someone who's going to be more valuable than other people in that position. So you might have an outside back that's scoring more, but the gap between him and then the the chasing pack isn't going to be as big as Malcolm Marks and the chasing pack. Yeah, if your opposition has, <clears throat> if you have Malcolm Marks and your opposition has Ricky Riccatelli, you're essentially twenty points ahead before yeah. anything's even happened. Whereas if you're looking at two outside backs that are thirty-five and thirty-four points, yes, the outside back is going to get the lesser team thirty-four points, but there's only one point difference in your matchup. It's called value-based drafting, guys. Look for some big stuff next year. We'll we'll sort of uh, run through it. Maybe a video too. See how we go. Yeah. Uh, the locks number one is very clearly, as we've already said, Brody Retallick with a forty-one point three average. And again, there's a fair step down of seven points down to Franco Mostert on thirty-four point three. After that, it continues to take a few steps down down to Sam Whitelock on thirty, and then you get to the rest of the pack: Hemapo, Franklin, Kremer, Oddie, Hannigan. Lousy all around that 23 and a half, 24, 25 kind of average. Guido Petty even sneaking in there as well. So there's really not a lot of difference there if you can't get your hands on Brody or Mostert. Um, and it really depends as well with where Mostert's going to be playing. And I think you're going to see him probably playing in the lock. Yeah, I think so. Which is going to pull his points down a little bit as well. He's been brought down a little bit playing in lock, but it's not been a huge difference. So I think he played. Did he play in the lock this week? He did, yeah. and he's still got pretty much on par with the, his average for the year. Yeah, I think he was still thirty-one or something like that. So he's still still pretty solid. But yeah, uh, I think when we broke it down earlier in the year, there was a little bit more of a difference. And I know the week before uh, this, in round round seventeen. When Whiteley wasn't around, he only got 22 points. When Whiteley was around as well, he only got 22 points. So yep. he hasn't been as consistent in that position. <clears throat> yep. 
In terms of the Lucy's, as we said, there's there's been a few guys who it's going to take a bit of a blow to that that stock there in, in the back row. Jean-Luc Dupuis and Artie Sevilla, the top two, are both out injured. So it means our new top front runner is Pablo Matera. Um, who's got an average of 38.4. I think his recent average is slightly above it. Um, I think it was about 42. Um, dropping off from him, then's Quagga Smith, Sam Kame, Squire, and, and quite a big pack there, to be honest, with Wells, Whitelock, Vanderbilt, and things around it. But for me, an interesting one there um, that I suppose most people won't necessarily look at is Will Miller. So his average is 25.5, but if you look at his five-round average, it's 41.2, and his three-round average is 50.7. So... I mean, it depends. You take from that what you will, but he's definitely rated a lot more than, than that 25.5 average. Yeah, absolutely. He's probably the smoky of the pack there as well. Yeah, definitely. In the halfbacks, uh, it's pretty tight across the board. Generally, this isn't one where there's big margins. At the moment, Cronier is rated at 19.8 as the top halfback, which really surprises me considering he has actually had a little bit of competition for minutes this year. So that makes him very valuable with the, the withdrawal of Nick Groom with that broken hand and that operation. TJ Perinara, point one behind him, who's obviously always consistently good and probably your safe bet if you had to pick someone. Then Weber has been playing quite well at 16.5. Uh, and then I think your next value pick from there is probably scrolling down towards Nick Phipps, who has been in far better form more recently. I think his uh, three-round average has got him at 30, which is above anyone else in the pack, so playing very, very well more recently. Yep. <clears throat> um, when we scroll on over to the fly halves, again, it's a pretty obvious one, and it's a huge leap from Richie Mawanga down to Nicolas Sanchez. Um, as we said, Sanchez is probably worth a little bit more recently. If we're going to start looking at his, his more recent form, his three-round average is 46.7, and his five-round average is 48.6, which brings him close to Moanga. Um, but if you look at Moanga's three-round average, it's 66.7. So the man is firing. He's got a very easy match, I suppose, compared to the others. Um, so I, it's it's a huge drop off there. The other blokes, um, you've got sort of your your tier two, as I said, Sanchez, Barrett, Foley, all around that sort of higher to mid thirties, um, around that point there. So not too shabby. But if you're going to be losing Moanga, then I mean you probably can sit and wait for for a few more to go, and you're not going to lose too much if you're getting value elsewhere. But so I mean you, you want Moanga early. You wouldn't be trying to snap up uh, Sanchez. Because you've got Bodie Barrett there on 36, would you be happy with that? Or do you think that's a significant drop given Sanchez's form? Uh, look, to be 100% honest, um, I think uh, I would rate them relatively similar. I'd be putting Sanchez above him. Um, Sanchez is going to have a tough game, as we said, against the Lions in, in South Africa. And they've, they've struggled a little bit uh, over in South Africa, the Jags. Um, but Bodie Barrett struggled this week against the Chiefs. So, yeah. I mean, it, you take from that what you will. Sanchez, I would have above Barrett. But, I mean, how much are you going to rate it? It's, it's not a 18-point difference that you've got more on Sanchez. Maybe it's a 4-5 or five point difference. Yeah. In the centres, it's real top up the top. So it's real tight up the top, rather. So ALB, Nani Lamape, and Goodyear are all averaging 40, 44.8 down to 44.5 points. So you're splitting hairs with any of those three. Again, I come back to match-up. So to me, I like Goodyear, but Lamape is probably the most most able to get the giant score if you want a game-breaker. And Anton Leonard-Brow is probably your consistent pick as well. Um, as the man with the highest average, despite no massive, massive scores. Like, uh, I, I think Goodhue's got 91 this week. 
far out. The other the other smoky is Afiwe Diancia, depending on if he starts as well. I think he could be a very good value pick against the Jags if the Lions get a little bit of a roll on. Uh, and then, other than that, it all depends on the makeups of the the Chiefs backline as well. Charlie Nata is always one for me that I really rate quite highly as well. Yep. Um, look, there's a lot of outside backs there, and there's a lot of talent. And to be fair, in terms of that top top echelon, the top eight to <clears throat> maybe up to ten, any of them can score huge. Uh, if you're talking about consistency, no doubt you're looking at Flower, you're looking at McKenzie, you're looking at Naira Voro and Bridge as, as just sort of top four. Um, but, I mean, the, the chasing pack behind them is Alamalo, Naholo. Look, Ben Lamb from his year average, he's just following those couple. Um, but of his recent average, he's not looking as good. He did get 32 this week, which is a, a fair bit off the pace from him earlier on in the year. Yeah, I think the big thing is you want to know if he's starting or not, really. And of if, course. If he's starting, are the, the, the Hurricanes going to go back to this game plan, like you said, or are they going to throw it a bit wider a bit earlier because the... Uh, bashing up the mini for their middle for Nani Lamape didn't work. So yep. I think that kind of brings him into the game a little bit more. Yep. And we sort of said the same sort of thing. Rona's probably got, if they can look for those outside channels for the Tars, that might be worth a little bit more points than what it looks like, which is 41.8, which isn't too shabby itself. Um, a few people that are a little bit off the pace at the moment are Geordie Barrett for me. So since he's had that shift to, to centre uh, and then back to fullback, he hasn't really sort of hit his straps. Um, and he's got an average of 33.1. Um, but I think his he's more recent average, if we look at it, his fiver and average is 26. Hmm. Um, Milner Scooter, from a bloke that has been huge in previous years, sure the bloke's had so many injuries. He's pretty much been hit by a bus two or three times with what's going on with his body. I would stay away from the bloke. He could score huge, but he could score nothing. Well, he hasn't been consistent enough for me across the board anyway. It's not like his average is high enough to really put him high up in that conversation. Yeah, I agree. That's about it for uh, for our picks for the fantasy players this week. Hope you enjoyed the the podcast again. We are, like we said, <clears throat> going to be doing a podcast through the finals for Super Rugby as well. So we will be looking back at everything that comes through in terms of the past performances and trying to predict about what you might see in the future. One last question. So this is the second time we've done this podcast. Would you say it's a little bit better or a lot better without Neymar? Look, I was actually just going to speak for Nabung because I know he had a very important message uh, at the end of he of the last edition of this podcast, yep. and he wanted to make sure that his opposition in the in the finals and the semifinals this week, Kagi, absolutely sucked it when he ran over the top of him with a cricket score win yeah. this week. Did he put a hundred dollar bet on? Is that what he said? It was he wanted to say a hundred dollars or no? He said nudie run, nudie run around the pub. Oh, on the field. Nudie never ran on the field at the end of the match. Is that what he said? <laughs> I don't think so. I think you might be putting words in his mouth. It was definitely Nudie run around the, the fox. What is it? The fox in uh, Moor Park there. Yeah, fox and something. Yeah, fox and lion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nudie run boys. Expect to see that at the end of the week. Uh, Kagi will definitely put it up on Instagram if it's neighbour. Absolutely. And uh, other than that, mate, you got one more message for the fans? Yeah. Uh, Keep it deep and keep it hard! <laughs>